You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hey, good morning and welcome to North Valley. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, For all those of you that are new, welcome. So glad that you've decided to join us this morning. Uh, My name's Pastor Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church and I am on vacation. So uh, I want to invite up uh, lead pastor Chad Moore. He'll be our guest preacher this morning. He had a good friend of mine uh, here in the valley. Uh, Pastors a church called Sun Valley Community Church. And Sun Valley has been an incredible blessing uh, to North Valley. And uh, the chairs you're sitting in were donated by Sun Valley. The video wall that you look at right now was donated by Sun Valley. A lot of the speakers were donated by Sun Valley. So we're, we are truly, truly grateful for all that uh, God has used Sun Valley, not only in their gifts towards us, but in their friendship and this morning in the teaching and the ministry of God's Word. So let's welcome uh, Pastor Chad Moore uh, here this morning. Take care and have a great time. Bye-bye. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Um, Such a pleasure to be with you this morning. By the way, that video wall was so much better looking before Ryan's face was on it. Can we all agree on that? That huge talking head. Um, As Ryan said, uh, he and I are friends and uh, we talk to each other. personally, probably uh, once every couple of months or so. And I met Ryan through Vision Arizona, which is a partnership of churches uh, here in our area to help with church planting and uh, some of those kinds of things. The last time I was uh, on the property here, it did not look like this. Uh, It was not too long after you guys purchased it. How many of you were here at that time? Yeah, you maybe saw it and I walked through it. It looked uh, very different. But uh, God had given a Ryan, uh, Ryan a vision, and as well as, as many of you, and it's really cool to see this today. So you guys have been in uh, about a month or so, maybe a little over a month, and uh, yeah, just, just really excited. Uh, our church, we're in the East Valley, we're one church that meets in five different locations. But there was a time uh, when um, we opened our first building. And uh, we went through exactly where you guys are now. And I'm really excited for you and excited for uh, your future and excited to be, uh, be here today. Uh, here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's behind me, so you already know, right? Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, forgiveness. And uh, I know Ryan talked about it last weekend, so, so maybe this is kind of a, a part two. Uh, but this is a big deal uh, because any relationship that you're ever going to have Uh, you're going to need to learn how to offer forgiveness and learn how to receive forgiveness. There are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people and we all need God. And sooner or later, in every relationship you have, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a friendship or with your parents or with your siblings or with your coworkers, at some point, you are going to hurt them And at some point, they are going to hurt you. And for relationships to be healthy and for relationships to survive, all of us have to learn this thing called forgiveness. Now, here's the deal. If you're a Jesus follower, forgiveness is not an option for you. It's like part of what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, think about this for a second. Functionally speaking, this is the Christian life. It's learning to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of God, and then giving it away to other people. 
Learning to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of God, and then giving that away to other people. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like that one, love your neighbor as yourself. There is a connection between our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. As we learn to receive the love, mercy, grace, and truth of God, God works it in. Here it is. And you and I are to work it, work it out. That's the Christian life. And forgiveness is right at the core of this. Uh, about 10, 11 years ago, um, I was really struggling uh, with bitterness. Had a real issue uh, forgiving somebody in my, in my life. Uh, to the extent that I was really, really angry. And uh, my, actually, my, my marriage was kind of suffering from this, from some things that had happened, and I was really struggling. And a friend of mine uh, invited me to something called Celebrate Recovery. Does anybody know what Celebrate Recovery is? All right. Uh, it's a ministry we have in our church. It started in Saddleback a number of, of years ago. But if you don't know Celebrate Recovery, it kind of works like this. You, you go to like a, a meeting like we're in right now, and they're singing, and somebody either teaches or gives a testimony, depending on the night it is. And then you go to something called Open Share. And so this friend of mine, uh, who I respect very much, he said, Chad, I know you're struggling. Would you go to celebrate recovery with me? And I said, no, right? Because I was, I was angry. I said, I, I don't need recovery. I don't want to do that. And he said, no, come, you know, because I'm asking you. And so uh, I went to recovery and, uh, you know, went through the motions of singing the songs and somebody that particular night shared a testimony. And then I was on the way out the door and he said, no, he said, after the, my friend said this, after the, the big group time, he said, we do something called open share. And if you don't know what open share, basically, here's what it is. Uh, it's gender specific. So I go in and I sit in this circle of uh, men and uh, it's all guys in the room. And what you do is you go around the circle and you talk about what's going on in your life and you kind of support and you, and you pray for each other. And so I'm sitting at the circle. And it starts uh, across the circle from me, and it's kind of going around. And so uh, this guy's got a gambling issue, and he's talking about that. And, and this guy's got an issue with pornography, and he's talking about that. And, you know, this guy cheated on his taxes and got caught, and he's talking about that. And I'm thinking to myself, in all of my self-righteousness, right, in all of my arrogance, kind of to my shame, I'm thinking, man, these guys are really screwed up, right? And then it's going around the circle, and I realize about halfway that at some point, the circle's going to come around to me. And so it's issue after issue after issue, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to say, right? Now, I'm at the time a pastor at a church across town, right? But I'm at this other church and Celebrate Recovery, and it's coming around to me, and I'm kind of self-righteous, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? You know, these people are really screwed up, and it's coming around to me, and it's coming around to me, and it's coming around to me. About four guys for me, I think, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say something really spiritual. When it gets to me, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, pass. <laughs> and there was one guy left after me, right? So There's about two guys from me. And I was like, God, you know, I, I'm not perfect, right? But what's my, why am I here? Why, why do you have me here? And immediately, here's what came to mind. Uh, you're addicted to bitterness. You're bitter. That's your issue because of what's happened to you. And then here's the thing. I believe the Holy Spirit told me, Chad, if you don't deal with this, this will affect every relationship you have from this day forward. So it got to me and I said, hi, I'm Chad. Hi, Chad. I struggle with bitterness. Hi, Chad, you know. And I started work through recovery with that. Here's the thing about bitterness. Here's the thing about unforgiveness. You ready? It poisons your soul. It poisons your soul. 
And if you and I don't deal with it, it shuts down our ability to receive love and give it. Not just with the person that we're bitter at, but in all of our relationships. St. Augustine said this in the 1600s. He says, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. If you're here today, and, and I'm just going to be real uh, vulnerable with you. So I'm actually off this weekend. I'm, I'm not working right now. And Ryan asked me if, if I could come up and uh, spend some time with you guys. And I was honored and, and privileged to do that. But I was like, Ryan, I, I, I'm off that weekend, you know. And uh, I went home and uh, I told him no. And then I talked to my wife. And uh, in our time, we, we pray when we walk the dog. I got an awesome dog. It's a great big Rhodesian Ridgeback. We walk him every night, and that's when my wife and I pray together. And uh, I prayed about whether or not to be here this weekend, and, and her and I talked, and she's like, I think you're supposed to go. And I said, I think so too, so, so here, I, here I am. Um, here's the thing about bitterness, and, and my guess is it's for somebody <laughs> in this service or the, or the next. Uh, it destroys your ability to give and receive love. And the reason that God wants you to forgive is because he loves you. Usually when it comes to trusting God, our problem is not that we don't love God enough. Our problem is we do not realize how much He loves us. And if you're struggling with bitterness today, here's the deal. Uh, You're normal. You're human. Welcome to the human race. But you're also a prisoner. And it's my prayer today, it's my hope today, that as we talk about how forgiveness works, that God will use it in your life to set you free. If you're here today and you're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm all good. You will need this at some point. <laughs> all right? You will need this at some point. Uh, forgiveness. Um, I talked about this in my church a few weeks ago, and uh, we were in the life of Joseph. And so let me kind of share some things that I shared with them. And I'm going to talk to you specifically about how to give. You got some notes when you came in. Uh, scriptures are on the front of the program. On the back, there's some notes, and I'll give you some things to, to write down. Uh, do you know the life of Joseph? Uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Uh, In our church, we have a lot of people that are new to Jesus, and we were in the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, and he came up to me after service, and he was like, when is he going to meet Mary? Right? I'm like, oh, (laughs) this is the Joseph in the Old Testament, okay? Uh, So Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, does anybody know that? If you don't know the story of Joseph, let me kind of give you a snapshot, and then um, I want to share with you um, something that happens with Joseph in the realm of, of forgiveness. Uh, Joseph's life for a number of years is like a bad country song. I mean, you know, they shot his dog and stole his Bible. There's a tear in his beard. All that kind of stuff is going on, right? If you don't know the story of Joseph, uh, Joseph has a bunch of brothers. And the brothers are all jealous of Joseph because Joseph is his father's favorite son. This is where the dream coat, Technicolor dream coat, if you ever heard, that's where it came from. Uh, Joseph's father, Jacob, made him a Technicolor dream coat, all right? Really pretty coat. Gave it to Joseph, didn't give it to the other brothers. Uh, Joseph has these dreams that one day his brothers are going to bow down to him. And Joseph is young and arrogant and he tells his brothers about the dream. One day you guys are going to be bowing down to me, right? And the brothers have had enough. They were already jealous of Joseph. They don't like Joseph. They know that Joseph is, uh, you know, their dad's favorite. And so here's what they do. And thus the country song begins. Uh, They take Joseph and they throw him down in a hole in the ground. They're going to kill him. Then one of them says, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off of him. They sell him into slavery. 
If you want to read this, you can read this in the, in the Bible. Middle of Genesis, the first book in your Bible to the end is the life of Joseph. So he's sold into slavery. Um, as he's sold into slavery, he's, he's purchased. He's purchased by a man named Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar is like the king's guard. Potiphar is, you know, head of the secret service kind of thing. Potiphar's wealthy. Uh, Joseph does well in his house. But Potiphar's wife has a thing for Joseph. And Potiphar's wife, like, comes after Joseph day after day, month after month, week after week, year after year. And Joseph resists that temptation. She gets mad at him, falsely accuses him of rape, and he's thrown into, into prison. And he's kind of left there to die. What's fascinating about this story um, concerning Joseph, this account in Scripture, is all through the account, uh, you will see these words over and over again. And the Lord was with Joseph. So literally, you're reading it, and it's like, okay, uh, his brothers, right, throw him in a hole, sell him into slavery. Go back and tell dad, oh, he died. He was, you know, eaten by a wild animal kind of thing. So he sold into slavery, and the Lord was with Joseph. He's falsely accused of rape, and the Lord was with Joseph. He's thrown into prison, and the Lord was with Joseph. And when I read that again and again and again, I'm like, if I'm Joseph, I'm going, Lord, would you please be with somebody else, right? Because there's one bad thing after another. And then through the course of events, here's what happens. I'm I'm giving you the flyover of of the account in the Bible. Course of events. Uh, Joseph because he can interpret dreams. He did that way back when. That's what kind of got him in trouble in the first place. He's in the prison. He's been in the prison now for a number of years. And two of the pharaohs, the most powerful man in the world at that time, two of his servants are thrown into prison. They have dreams. Joseph interprets them. Uh, The interpretations come true. Joseph tells one of them who goes back in the service of the pharaoh, remember me. And he doesn't. He forgets. Two years later, pharaoh has a dream. And none of... Pharaoh's counselors can interpret the dream. By the way, I'm from Texas. My wife's from Scotland. There's a lot of weird accents in our house. Through the years, I've tried to lose this accent because when you talk like this, people automatically deduct about 50 points from your IQ, right? (laughs) And so I tend to say Pharaoh, and my wife always says, it's not Pharaoh, it's Pharaoh. I'm like, it's not Pharaoh, it's Pharaoh, right? So Pharaoh... Can't have his dream interpreted. The cupbearer, this servant that was in the prison that had his dream interpreted by Joseph, goes, oh, there's a guy in prison. And through the course of events, here's what happens. It's amazing. God takes Joseph because the Lord was with Joseph. God takes Joseph and almost in an instant. Now, it's not in an instant for Joseph because he was sold into slavery, right? Falsely accused of rape thrown into prison. Uh, We're trying to track the years here. It's over a decade. All this has happened. But after this, Pharaoh sends for him. Stream home, you know, makeover kind of thing. They make him over, not extreme home makeover, extreme Joseph makeover. So they clean him up and they shave his beard and he's standing before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. Pharaoh makes him the second most powerful man in the world. Pharaoh says, from this point on, you're going to be my right hand. After all, I've known you for 15 minutes. I mean, when you read the scriptures, obviously God has done a miracle. And Joseph in that moment, right, goes from the prison to the palace. He goes from poverty to prosperity in an instant. All right, make a long story medium. 
He's now the most powerful man next to Pharaoh in the world. Uh, when Joseph interpreted the dream, he said, here's what's going to happen. Egypt's going to experience seven years of prosperity. It's going to be great. But then after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. And Pharaoh, you're going to need to prepare for that. At this point in the account, we're in the seven years of, of famine. Way back in the land of Canaan, Jacob and all the sons, Joseph's family, they're starving. And the father says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Egypt. And I want you to get some help. So they do all that. They're standing right now in front of the second most powerful man in the world who they don't know was once their little brother. And he does not reveal himself to them. Finally, he does. They're terrified because they think Joseph is going to pay us back for all that we've done wrong. Joseph has, hear this word, forgiven them, right? And he brings them in. Now they're part of the palace. Now they're living in Egypt. Now they're taken care of because Joseph's forgiveness is radical over his brothers and over the family. But then the father dies. And when the father dies, all the brothers are thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I think Joseph was nice to us. Just out of respect to dad, I don't think he's really forgiven us. So here's what the Bible says, Genesis chapter 50. And then I'm going to take you through the process that Joseph went through to be able to forgive. Here's what your Bible says, Genesis 50, beginning in verse 15. We're going to read down through verse 21. Follow along with me in your Bible or here uh, on the screen. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us? And what are the next three words? Pays us back. In your Bible, all right, or in your notes, underline that. Forgiveness is always a debt-debtor issue. This is why when somebody exacts revenge, we call it what? Payback. This is why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, pray this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We'll break that down a little more here in a moment. What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Now, this is not true. Their father didn't leave any instructions. Okay, but they're terrified, and so they send a message, right? They send Joseph an email way back when, instead of standing before him. Your father left these instructions before he died. They're trying to manipulate the situation. Verse 17, this is what you are to say to Joseph. This was in his will, Joseph. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. They get real spiritual, right? You're supposed to forgive us. That's what God wants you to do. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph what? Wept. Now, put yourself in Joseph's shoes here. Betrayed by your brothers. Left for dead. Then, no, let's make money off of him. Sold him for 20 pieces of silver. By the way, Jesus was sold for... 30 pieces of silver. Anytime you see somebody in the Old Testament, know that Jesus is always the better version of them. All of your Bible is about Jesus. And Jesus is the better Joseph. Joseph is sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Let's stick with Joseph. He was betrayed. He sold into slavery. 
falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison for years. A lot of times when we look at the patriarchs, kind of the heroes of the Bible in the Old Testament, I think we give them too much credit. You realize all the negative things in their life are there for a reason. It helps us learn from them. But Joseph, just about everything is positive when you read it in the Bible. But let me give you some thoughts. Joseph resists temptation, right? Potiphar's wife nagged him day after day after day. And recently in my church, you know, our teaching pastor, you know, taught how to overcome temptation. And we talked about Joseph. And the thought occurred to me, it could have been Potiphar's wife wasn't that big of a temptation, you know? That might have been an easy no. Maybe we're giving Joseph too much credit, right? But we tend to do this with these people in Scripture. Joseph is about to offer radical forgiveness, but here's the thing. Joseph is now in the palace. Joseph is now in the place of prosperity. Joseph is now the second most powerful man in the world. Joseph is on the other side of the pain. Are you with me? What do you think would have happened? If the brothers were thrown into prison while Joseph was in prison. Before the palace. Before the prosperity. Before all that power. Like right in the middle of the dungeon in the midst of the pain. What do you think Joseph's response to his brothers would have been? Forgiveness is a process. And I'll make you a promise about Joseph. He worked this out with God through the years of pain in the prison. Everybody knew. Pain will change you. But not necessarily for the good. You have to choose that. Joseph chooses, listen, to embrace the pain. Take it to his God. And allow God to work in him the purpose of the pain, the reason behind it. Listen, and it transformed Joseph for the good. Pain will change you but not necessarily for the better. You've got to choose that. Are you bitter at anybody right now? Signs of bitterness. Are you constantly dwelling on the incident or situation that happened? Are you seeking or dreaming of revenge? Are you always carrying a record of what that other person owes you? This is what they should have done and they didn't do it. This is what they did and they shouldn't have done it. Are you wanting something bad to happen to somebody? Is there somebody you would celebrate if something bad happened to them? Is there anybody you get upset when they succeed? Are you struggling with, with bitterness? It's a poison in our souls. And it doesn't just affect that relationship. It will, if not dealt with, affect all relationships. Joseph had embraced the pain, taken it to God. He had dealt with it while in the prison. Verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. 
Look at this. Am I in the place of God? If you are struggling with bitterness right now, just let you know. You cannot forgive somebody you feel superior to. When I struggled with bitterness, here's what I had in my mind. I'm holy and righteous and good, and this other person is not. And so my prayers were, smite, oh mighty smiter, right? That kind of thinking is not Christian. That's another religion. That's called a holy war. I'm righteous and good, and they're not. Judge them. Smite them. This is not the type of thinking in the life and heart of a Jesus follower. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Uh, Joseph has prepared Egypt. Joseph has prepared the land. Uh, Joseph through the power of God. And God's hand being on him. The Lord being with Joseph. Has now rescued thousands and thousands of people. Verse 21. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them. And spoke. What's the next word? Kindly. To them. Uh, The Bible says that we all have enemies. The Bible also says that our ultimate enemy is not flesh and blood. This is at the end of the book of Ephesians. That our ultimate enemy uh, is a spiritual enemy. Uh, The Bible calls him Satan or, or the devil. One of Satan's biggest tactics to destroy relationships in our life is bitterness. The Bible says he uses it to get a foothold or a stronghold in our in our soul. But let me let you in on something. Satan has no weapon in his arsenal that can combat forgiveness. Here's why. He cannot possibly comprehend it. To forgive is to align yourself with heaven. To forgive is to agree with Jesus. So let's talk about how it works. Choosing to forgive. And this is the process that all forgiveness kind of works itself through. Uh, There's four things here. And uh, as we write it down, we're talking about choosing to forgive. Okay, so this is how it works. I'm going to break it down for you. Uh, Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. That's a big deal. Everybody look at me here for a second. You will never feel like forgiving. I'm going to say that again. You will never feel like forgiving. Because it's not a feeling. It is a decision. So let's talk about how it works. Choosing to forgive. Number one, in your notes, identify with whom you are bitter. Identify with whom you are bitter. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's pretty elementary, Chad. Right? Okay. Maybe, maybe not. It could be that you know who you're bitter at. It could be that, listen, you got an anger problem and you don't know why. Like people who are brave enough to confront you will say, man, you got a really short fuse. And you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm a hothead, whatever. Don't blow that off. That's a big deal. You may want to sit down with God in a time of prayer with a pen and a paper and say, God, why am I so angry? Why is my fuse so short? Why am I a hothead? And I'll make you a promise. There is a good chance that there is a foothold, a stronghold of bitterness in your soul that you need to go with God and go back and root out. It's a big deal. 
And so you may need to pray through, you may need to ask God through the power of the Spirit to reveal to you who you are bitter at. Wrote some questions down to think about. Uh, whom do you hope to never see again? Whom do you find yourself having imaginary conversations with? Do you ever like uh, get in an argument with somebody? And then like an hour later, you know, when you're in your car, you're thinking of all the things you wish you would have said. Does anybody else do that besides me? A little window into my soul when that happens, like a few hours later when I'm telling somebody about the argument, I'm always better than I actually was when the argument was actually happening. Does anybody else do that, right? My recalling of the story, I always was better than I was when it actually happened. Uh, Who do you find yourself having imaginary conversations with? Who would you like to pay back if you thought you could get away with it? said this a moment ago, whom do you secretly desire to see fail? I'll give you some categories in your family. Friendships, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife. I wrote this down. Deceased parent. A lot of us are bitter at people that are on the other side. They're not even here anymore. Work associate, coaches, bosses, leaders. I wrote this down. It could be that you're bitter at you. And something happened in your life, you did something, you haven't forgiven yourself. Listen, to forgive yourself is to agree with Jesus. Your standard is not above His. And you want to take that to Him and and talk to Him about it. Identify with whom you are bitter. Number two, determine what they owe you. Determine what they owe you. Um, Remember that forgiveness is all about debt debtor. That's why we call it payback. What do they owe you? Be specific. And I would encourage you to write these things down. Uh, Maybe they owe you their time. They told you they would be there and they weren't. Maybe they owe you their respect. Maybe they owe you uh, your purity. They took it from you. Maybe they owe you an I love you or I'm proud of you because they never said that. Maybe they owe you a healthy family instead of a dysfunctional one. What does that person owe you? Write it down. Be specific. Be specific. Identify with whom you're bitter. Determine what they owe you. Number three, choose to cancel the debt. Choose to cancel the debt. And anytime I think through this or I'm praying through this, when I get to number three, I'm like, already choose to cancel the debt? There's not like a two and a half, right? Can I not dwell on this a little longer? Uh, Ultimately, forgiveness is between you and God. Ultimately, forgiveness is between you and God. Watch me. This is why. The Christian life is learning to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of God, and then giving that away to other people. God works it in, and we work it out. Think about the cross. It is vertical, and it is also what? Horizontal. It affects our relationship with God. We received communion a moment ago. We make peace with God through our faith in Jesus. But with that, Jesus works in us by the power of His Spirit, and that way we can be at peace with others. This is how it works. Works. Forgiveness is ultimately between you and God. Uh, if you're taking notes, write this out to the side. Uh, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Uh, there uh, was an issue in my marriage. I got really uh, bitter uh, about it. And uh, during that time in my life, this was 11, 12 years ago. My wife and I are doing great now, but this was 11, 12 years ago. And during that time, uh, people in the church who were well-meaning, our church uh, was considerably smaller then, uh, would come and they would give me uh, marriage books. And anytime somebody gave me a marriage book, you know, I was really nice on the outside because I'm a pastor. But you know what I wanted to do on the inside? I wanted to throw that book at them, right? Because I was just angry and dealing with bitterness. Let me tell you how God began to break that down. I began to focus on God's grace in my own life. 
Again, you can't forgive somebody you feel superior to. And I began to pray, God, reveal to me my sin. Reveal to me how much you've forgiven me. And I started to read scripture about God's grace. And by the way, all of the Bible is about God's grace. Ultimately, if you understand it from beginning to end, it's love, trust, and redemption. It's love, trust, and redemption. That's your Bible in a nutshell. And I began to focus on the grace of God. Listen, and as the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God and the truth of God in my sin began to indwell me, that empowered me to offer that to somebody else. What you focus on is what you move towards. What you focus on is what you move towards. That is a big, big, big deal. Forgiven people forgive people. Write this down if you're taking notes. Just out to the side. This is extra. When I accept forgiveness from God, I am free of my sin. When I extend forgiveness to another, I am free from their sin. Let me say it one more time. When I accept forgiveness from God, I am free of my sin. When I extend forgiveness to another, I am free from their sin. To the side, you can write this down. Here's what forgiveness is not. This is extra. So let's talk about what it is and what it's not. Here's what it's not. Uh, forgiveness is not forgetting. doesn't mean you forget what happened. You do not have that ability. In fact, to try and forget it is not healthy. To heal from it, you got to deal with it. To heal from it, you got to deal with it. How many of you have heard that time heals all wounds? Heard that before? Let me help you. That's not true. If time healed all wounds, anytime you got sick and went to the doctor and you were in the waiting room, you would get better. Because you're going to be in that waiting room a long time, right? Time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus does. To heal from it, you got to deal with it. Pain will change you, but not necessarily for the better. You got to choose that, right? So it's not forgetting. Uh, forgiveness is not necessarily restoration. There is a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness, uh, God says you need to do this, all right? Why? For your own good. It's because He loves you. He wants to be free of you. Free, uh, wants you to experience uh, freedom for you. But trust is something different. Trust is something different. Um, if you have somebody in your life that you're bitter at, and in your mind's eye, the best case scenario would be you can get over it, trust can be built again, and it can be made whole. Then pray for that and go for that. If that's where you are, here's, here's what you are in the process. You ready? You're Missouri. Do you know what Missouri is? Missouri is the show me state. Okay? So trust is kind of earned. And you can decide whether or not you want to trust this person. So what you can do is keep them at an arm's length. Over time, watch them be consistent. And gradually, watch more, gradually allow them back, back in. They say trust is earned. Ultimately, it cannot be earned. You have to decide whether or not at some point you're going to give it. You decide whom you're going to trust. And it could be that's not healthy. It could be that you need to forgive, but that relationship is never restored. Well, how do I know the difference? You pray to God. You ask for wisdom. You seek wise counsel. But it's not necessarily restoration. Trust is lost quickly and built Slowly. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not necessarily restoration. Uh, it's not forsaking justice. It is leaving it to God. It's not forsaking justice. It is leaving it to God. Revenge is for the weak and forgiveness is for the strong. That's the opposite of what the movies tell us. Revenge is for the weak and forgiveness is for the strong. 
Um, revenge means you are not mature enough to control your emotions. Forgiveness means you are connected to your Heavenly Father. You're learning to receive His love, mercy, grace, and truth, and you're learning to give that to others so that you can be, be free. Last one, number four. You close the account. Identify with whom you are bitter, determine what they owe you, choose to cancel the debt. And number four, you close the account. What does that mean? They don't owe me anymore. They don't owe me anymore. So when it comes up in your mind and that anger starts to build, you're like, I've closed that account. They don't owe me. Now here's the thing. Uh, Bitterness is sticky. Like just about the time you think you got it off you, it's still there. You ever like walk through the woods, right? And, or, or through even the desert, you know, it's between cactus. You walk through a spider web. That ever happen? And it's like, right? And just about the time you think you got it all off you, you find some more. Does this make sense? That's how bitterness is. And so you take it to God again. I've closed the account. I've closed the account. It could be if it's a big deal for you in your life, uh, you need to find a recovery group and go. Could be that you need to see a counselor and you need to get some coaching there. Counseling's for weak people. No. Ignoring the problem is for weak people. Courageous people look it in the eye and deal with it and take it down. And it could be that you need some coaching in that realm. But you close the account. Bitterness produces destruction. Forgiveness produces healing. And the choice is yours. And the choice is yours. Big, big deal. Learning to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of God. And giving that away to others. God works it in. And we work it out. Let's take a moment and pray together. Can I pray for you? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'll just ask you. If this is something that you're struggling with, got some bitterness in your life, just kind of give me a hand. Everybody's heads bowed, eyes are closed. Yep, yep, all over the room. Yep, me too. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just kind of in this moment of quiet, I want to invite you to talk to your Heavenly Father about that. Maybe even pray for the person that you're bitter at. If you're like, I can't pray for them, then pray for the ability to at some point be able to pray for them. Take a moment and thank God for the way that He's forgiven you. And ask Him to give you the power to forgive others so that you will be free. Father, give us wisdom of your love, of your mercy, of your grace, of your truth. Help us to see what you see so that we might do as you say. Father, radical forgiveness is supernatural. We cannot do it on our own. 
So fill us. I pray for these who were courageous enough to lift their hand a moment ago. You know every situation. You know every heart. Father, give them wisdom to know the right things to do and the courage to do them. And may we walk in your freedom and in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.